But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Amen. Often this passage is called the sort of passage of the fruit of the Spirit or the, uh, the sort of grace gifts. Paul here lists a number of the works of the flesh and then a number of the attributes of a life lived in honour to Christ will demonstrate. He tells us that these lifestyles are in direct conflict with each other. They war against each other. Talking of kind of warring against each other, um, who saw the final episode of Bear Grylls, The Island, The Girls' Island? Yeah, wow. <clears throat> Do you see that? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I will, if you haven't seen it, I will tell you. It's still an iPlayer if you want to kind of... I, I, had to, I missed it on my kind of recording there. I thought, wait, oh, I don't know why I didn't record it. So I managed to pick it up on iPlayer and kind of watch it there. Uh, and people could say, you, have you seen the last week of the Women's Island? I was like, no, I missed it. So I, we downloaded it and uh, watched it, Anne and I. So here we are, if you don't know the story, 14 women, or they were to begin with, 14 women were thrown on uh, an island, marooned in a, in a Pacific island for five weeks, okay? Um, they had to boil water to drink and eat, drink, well, eat limpets, uh, try and live off catching fish, killing wild pigs, um, without, I might say, a huge amount of success. Leaders, leaderless, they sort of lounge about, slowly wasting away, and the tensions mount. Oh, it makes great TV. <laughs> now, there's one particular you can see there <laughs> on the right-hand side. <clears throat> there's one particular rather loud Glaswegian girl <clears throat> that sort of sets herself up in this last episode kind of against all the rest, and she just decides she's going to refuse to submit to anything or do anything in cooperation with anybody else. Um, in many ways, it's, it's quite a clear example of what happens when the flesh wars against the spirit. It causes 
frustration, the whole group gets really ticked off with a disharmony, and actually, in their case, it sort of threatens the very survival of the whole body. Finally, two girls uh, decide to take leadership after five weeks. This is the sixth week. <laughs> after five weeks, they kind of get together and they say, right, we need to have leaders. And finally, they kind of twig what's the problem. And uh, unity prevails. It's a, it's a great end. And they all finish a lot happier and working together as one. So it's, 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 a, it's a happy story. Um, they, they're definitely thinner, but it's a happy story. <laughs> um, Paul describes this passage we've just read as it being like in two dominions, sort of two power bases that have power and influence over us. There's the flesh, or in the Greek, socks. Um, and Gordon Fee, who's a commentator, writes about this. He, he says, it's not that this flesh, it's not the individual's sinful nature, but one's life before and outside of Christ. And that's a really important point to make, okay? Um, or as we'd say in Scotland, out with. <clears throat> Which, if you're Scottish, you won't understand why that's funny. <clears throat> but that's the word. So out with Christ, okay? That's what we would say if we were writing it in, in Scots. Um, the problem is that down the centuries, there have been movements in the church that have sort of unhelpfully polarized, haven't they? Flesh and spirit. So that they've sort of hated their own bodies. They've seen the, the bodies as the real problem for them. They, these are the things that are causing them to kind of get into sin and stuff. Uh, and they've sort of lifted up the kind of spiritual existence as the kind of really holy and God, godly thing. Um, this kind of leads to a lot of sort of um, hairy shirt wearing, um, which actually I thought that, uh, you know, Dan's done a lot about shirts, hasn't he, in this kind of whole section. I, I thought that actually we should sort of finish with a sort of hairy shirt episode, Dan wearing a hairy shirt. You know, I think that'd be really good. Um, anyway, <laughs> in this life, whether we like it or not, these are the bodies that we're in, okay? And actually, not just these are the bodies that we're in, but actually these are the bodies that God made for us. These are God-created bodies, aren't they? They're not, they're not evil things that we're having to subsist within that are warring against us and causing us to kind of sin. These are things that God's given us for our good. Yeah? And, you know, let's face it, even Christ lived in his earthly body for 30 years on earth. You know, he's, he's, so you've got this thing where, you know, if we, kind of, if we separate out flesh and spirit and see one as the total enemy in that way, we've got a, we haven't understood what the scripture's saying. Um, I'll take you back to that point, that it's actually, what Paul's talking about here is actually about our life, our dominion before we came to Christ. But before we were part of Christ, we were under the dominion of the flesh. We are no longer under the dominion of the flesh. We're under the dominion, and I use that word purposely, of the Spirit. The Spirit of God actually should dominate us, okay? It should dominate us. And we use that word because we sort of think, oh, come on. Surely it's, you know, I'm free in Christ, aren't I? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we, we, we are, we, you're either 
submitted and dominated by the flesh and the worldly powers that are part of that, or you are dominated by the Holy Spirit and Christ. You're either one or the other. You cannot be, you, you cannot be halfway in the middle of that thing. You're either one or the other. And it's really important to actually understand this passage. Christ demonstrated in his life that it was possible to live in these bodies, in this world, but not be controlled by it. That's what Christ demonstrated. He demonstrated a life, a perfect life, of actually you can do the same. You can live this life and not be dominated by the powers of this world. The reason that he was not controlled was that the Spirit of God was in him and he was ruled and reigned perfectly. The great news that Paul is saying to us is that this same Holy Spirit is at work in us. We are given every advantage to allow him to rule and fill our lives. Now, at times we still sin, unlike Christ. But that's because we need to let him rule more fully in us and to walk more in step with him. That's the point. We need to learn how to do that. And that is what Paul is saying in this passage. So there's these two dominions. They are in opposition. Their values, their priorities, their goals are totally different. As I said, we're not kind of in between. We're not half of one and six of the other. Okay, we're not, we're not sort of halfway up like the Grand Old Duke of York, sort of half in, half out, you know, of being a Christian. Okay, either you know that you are and that you belong to him or you don't and you aren't. So you can't be in between. You either are Christ's or you're not. Now, if you are, then all these things, he's, you've got his spirit living and working and working out and aiding you and filling you and enabling you to live a godly life. And if you feel like you're in between those things, then I would say, actually, the great news is that you don't have to be that way. You can actually belong to him. And it's a very simple thing. It's not a difficult thing. But you do need to belong to him. Okay? Um, believers no longer have the privilege of doing whatever they wish. Okay? Our freedom in Christ means that we now do what his spirit leads us in. We are not, we're not our own, okay? We're not our own. We're not just saying, well, I, I fancy doing that. No, actually, Paul said, no, no. no. Actually, you're now, you're linked with Christ. You're now ruled by him. His spirit is at work in you helping you, but also 
leading you to a place of actual openness to him, being in step with him, helping you to live a godly life. Yeah? I'm very contemplative this morning. <laughs> I feel like I should stay in that a bit longer. Um, we, this is, a, this is a wonderful thing. And we see it in Christ that he submitted his life to the will of his Father. He wasn't just a do-it-yourself kind of Messiah, you know. He was, he demonstrated obedience. He demonstrated submission. He demonstrated being someone who was, who was constantly actually taking time with his father and saying, do you want me to do this? Is, I, don't want to, I don't want to just don't jump ahead on this thing. I want to know the timing of this. I want to know if this is the right moment to be involved in this thing. I don't want to just kind of charge off. Kind of, you know, I could, do, I could charge off and do lots of kind of great things. Heal a few people, do a few things. Actually, I want to be submitting to what you're wanting me to do. Each and every day, there was a submission of his life. And so for us too... There's a submission for us to say, I actually, I'm not just, you know, being a Christian is not just doing my own thing. It's being, submitting to what God's got for me. Back to the island a moment. <clears throat> the conflict on the, guy, on the girl's island was mainly due to this girl, as I mentioned, Jamie, okay, deciding she was fed up submitting to what the group expected her. <laughs> And she was now going to decide she was going to do what she wanted to do. I'm not saying it was just with the girls. The lads also had a similar problem with the main group, feeling that certain individuals were not helping out. The point that I'm making is that for ourselves, the conflict only really happens when we try and pull away from what the Spirit is leading us to do. So our conflict happens when we pull away from what the Spirit is leading us in this direction, and we are pulling against it. That's where we have conflict for us. And God's saying, actually, if you, just, if you allow His Spirit to work in your life and fully have reign in your life, there won't be conflict, because you'll be following what He's asking you to do. The fantastic news is that we were fleshly persons, controlled and devoted to pleasing ourselves. But Christ's sacrifice on the cross has won away, and he's chosen us to be spirit-controlled people. He hasn't just said, look, here's a list of criteria that you need to score high in if you want to be a Christian. I'm going to sort of set you under laws that you actually can't measure up to, but I'm going to give you these anyway just to frustrate the life out of you and to kind of leave you in a place where you feel condemned and constant failure. No. What he's done is he 
has given us his Holy Spirit birthed within us that leads us and empowers us to be ever increasingly conformed to that which is perfect, Jesus Christ. I want to stop on this point of being belonging to him. Verse 24, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Can you flip back one? Um, it isn't that we simply know Christ or read a few chapters. We are trying to follow him. And the truth is that we belong. He possesses us. It's so much more than just knowing me, my friends, by being friends with him. You know, I belong to Anne, okay? Anne belongs to me, my wife, okay? My children, they belong to me, okay? They are part, they're joined, we are one. They belong. You know, the CBs, we're all, we're all a bit crazy, but we belong. There we are. <laughs> In the same way, we, we're part of Christ. He's joined himself to us. We have to submit to him first. It was never on a sort of casual basis, just pleasing myself. It was actually a sense of him saying, no, no, you're part of me. You belong to me. Titus says, He gave himself to us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Do you know today that you are the possession of God? That he possesses you. You're, he says, you're my possession. You're my wonderful possession. Romans 8 also talks about belonging. As a Christian, I'm not just kind of yo-yoing uh, between these two things, saying, am I, do I, am I part of God? Am I part of that? No, we're actually fully surrendered to him, okay? And I want to say this again to you. If you kind of think, well, actually, I don't know that I really belong to Jesus, well, there's some prayer time afterwards that you can go upstairs and be prayed with. What you need to know is that I belong. I'm part of him. I belong to him. I want to talk about deeds and fruit, okay? It's interesting that Paul says in verse 19 that the deeds of the flesh are, so you have deeds, but you also then, he then talks about fruit. He doesn't talk about the deeds of the spirit and the deeds of the flesh, okay? He uses different words in that. These are things, so the deeds are the things that I do. I cause strife. I have outbursts of anger. 
I get jealous of others. I get drunk and indulge in acts of impurity. Okay? These are things I do. These are deeds that I do. These acts of the flesh. But when it comes to the spirit, it is God that produces these things in me. It is God who's able to say, actually, I am making you more like me. And it's, it's his spirit at work in me. I can't just say, well, I think today, I, I think I might be patient. You know, I think I'm going to do this deed. It's not like that at all. It's actually that it's a, a fruit that's being produced in me. These are not to-do lists. These are things that are sort of emanating out of me. That people, as, I, as I'm within community, that people see these fruit of the Spirit at work in my life. That actually, I'm, I'm overflowing with God in me. As I let His Spirit reign in me more and more, He produces these attributes in me. Like a harvest of grace, plentiful in my life. Some things about fruit is that three things about fruit. It's gradual. You don't rush into it. I can't make my apple tree produce that apple. I have to wait. It takes time. We too are, to, are just waiting. We're waiting for him to transform us. Secondly, it's inevitable. The, garden, the gardener doesn't need to worry about the outcome. I wonder if this year my raspberries will produce apples, you know. It actually, the Spirit of God is at work. There's an inevitability that actually God is at work and God is making you more and more. And as long as you just hang in there, God is actually working out his wonderful fruit in your life. He is making you more and more like him. And often it isn't you yourself. It's very difficult for you to be able to tell, am I getting more like him? And actually, it's actually the community. It's other people that say, you know what? I've seen a huge change in you in the last two years. God is at work in you. I can really see that. I can see that you used to be quite snappy at these times, and now there's a change in you. God is changing you. God is helping you to be more patient. Often we can't see it ourselves, but it's a great thing that actually God is at work. And thirdly, it's internal. A lot of it is hidden. Okay, we often can't see it. It's not like the works of the flesh that are very blatant and kind of outward, but actually these are things that are inward and God is at work in us, which is a wonderful thing. I love this quote from Leon Morris. Summing it up, he says, Paul is constantly telling his readers what the Spirit does in them, not what they can themselves accomplish if only they would work hard enough. I want to talk about walking. Notice there is an emphasis on walking. Walking in step with the Spirit, a slow, steady pace. A slow, steady, but I say to you, verse 16, walk by the Spirit, verse 18, but if you are led 
by the Spirit. You're not under the law. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. There's this emphasis about walking. We are following the Spirit. He is like going ahead of us. He leads us into goodness, into faithfulness, into joy, into long-suffering. He leads us there. We're walking. We're taking. It's not a, it's not a kind of a, a quick thing. It's a gradual pace that fills our whole life. It's a long haul. It's a, it's a, actually, I'm just going to keep walking. I'm just going to keep walking. And sometimes, pastorally, I just say to people, just keep walking. That's it. Just keep walking. Sometimes it's just, man, this is tough. Yeah, you just got to keep walking. Some, some things we just got to keep walking in. You know, that's just keep being faithful. Keep following. I, I, I'm lonely. Yeah, keep walking in God. Keep. There are tough things that I'm facing. I'm facing ill health. Just keep walking. Keep, keep going with Him. Don't just give up. Keep walking. We want quick fixes all the time. God's saying, actually, there's just this, it's a slow, steady pace. And also we're <clears throat> talking about it. It's, it's his work in us. It's him doing it in us. It's his work. It's his spirit in us that is doing this. But don't misinterpret that. We aren't just waiting for it to happen. Okay, that's the other point. So it's not just a like, there's not the sense of, well, this fruit are being produced, so you can kind of say, yeah, it's like fruit. And Paul's clear like that, it is like fruit. But the thing about fruit, and I, you know, I've, I have planted a few kind of raspberries this year in my garden. I'm waiting to see what happens. At least they haven't died off as the last lot did. This lot, at least they've got some leaves on, which is, you know, positive. Uh, but, you know, we all want to see the actual raspberries. And um, I want to taste those raspberries, you know. Um, <laughs> and this is where the analogy of, of kind of fruit breaks down because it's, it's more than just kind of they're on the tree and we're just going to produce the fruit. Actually, there is a sense of us doing something, okay? And... We're not just kind of cruising on autopilot. We're, this word about walking is obviously a word that is saying, it's a commanding word. It's an exhorting word. It's saying, walk in the spirit. Walk now. Don't just kind of, oh my God. You know, walk. Get up and walk. Get walking. There is a, there is a commanding word that the spirit is saying to us, Walk, come on, walk for me, walk after me, follow me now, be led by me now. Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. These are commanding words, hang on a minute, I thought I was free in Christ to do I, I didn't have any of this, I'm just under grace, I don't have to do anything. No, no. <laughs> Actually, you do. <laughs> Actually, it's not just kind of let it all hang out. Actually, there are commands given us. 
to actually be in step. Keep in step. Come on, keep in step. Keep in step. Keep in step with the Spirit of God. It's not just kind of like I can do, I can do whatever I want on this. No, keep in step with God. Okay, it's quite an important thing. Uh, otherwise, we go right off that other line. We're just kind of waiting passively. This is not a passive thing. Following Christ is an active thing. We need to obey his promptings. Otherwise, we just get lethargic. We need to know, actually, this TV isn't... This is not me walking <laughs> with the Spirit at all. Turn it off. Okay? We walk away from stuff. This is not edifying for God. The Spirit speaks to us. This isn't edifying to God. I oh, know. Turn it off. Okay, we need to obey and we need to follow. Um, we need to think, actually, I want to expose my mind and my eyes to that which breeds purity and love and glory to God, not the opposite. Yes, when the perfects come, when we've got new bodies and a new earth, we won't need these exhortations. Okay, but right now we do. I love this quote from Gordon Fee. Life in the Spirit is not passive submission to the Spirit to do a supernatural work in one's life. Rather, it requires conscious effort so that the indwelling Spirit may accomplish His ends in one's life. We deliberately conform our life to the Spirit. We deliberately conform our life. Yeah? So very active. This is what I'm telling you to do. This is how we are. We're following God on this. We're being active. We're, we're leaning right into him. This is how we conquer. Yeah? And final point. And I, this is really important. Walking in the spirit is meant to be carried out within community. It's not just an individual's private walk. You know, yeah, okay, I've got it now. It's just I've got a spirit of God in me and I just kind of carry on walking and that's it. No, actually, it's great that God's given us his spirit and that actually this is working out in our life. But actually, it's not just an individual thing. It's a corporate thing. God has also given us a community, the church, the local church, no less where we show faithfulness. We are patient towards others. And this word patience, by the way, really means forbearance, okay? A bit of an old-fashioned word. But forbearance is something that we have towards others. Patience is something that we also use towards waiting for a bus, okay? <laughs> it's, it's, it's that we're patient with one another. There's a, there's a, it, all these fruit of the Spirit all are about working it out within community, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, love to others. It's all about something that we do within a community. We're not walking alone. We help each other. It's why Paul ends this chapter by saying, let's not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. And as we'll see next week, Paul goes on to encourage us to bear one another's burdens. It's about community. The good news is that we're not alone. I'm not left struggling on my own. His spirit is at work inside me and his local church is there to walk beside me and encourage me when I flag. I told you it was quite like the island. 
pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you haven't left us alone. I thank you, God, for community, for church, for others that are beside us, that help us and can say, come on, come on, don't give up now. Don't, I know, I know there are some tough things, but don't give up. Don't just sit down. Let's keep walking. Let's keep going. Let's keep believing. Let's keep obeying. Let's keep being soft-hearted. And I thank you, God, that your spirit is at work in us, that we know that we belong to you. It's not a casual thing. We belong. You look after us. You care about us. You're at work in us, and you are going to carry on this work that you began in us right through to the end. We just thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.